Hey, um, we're going to start a new series today, and what I want you to do, we're starting a new series called Home Away From Home, and what I want you to do as we start, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to turn to some of the people around you there, and I want you to tell them where home is for you, okay? So just go ahead and do that right now. Tell three or four people around you, just tell, and and it'd be awesome if it's people you don't know, that's really good. Tell them where home is for you, so go ahead, do that right now. All right. Now, um, I intentionally didn't give you a lot of specifics when I, gave, when I asked you to do that because I'm, I'm interested to know a lot of you could have said different things. When I say where is home for you, you could have said where your hometown is, where you grew up. Like for me, that would be Columbia. I'd say, well, if you're wondering my hometown, that's Columbia. Or, if, or you might say you're where you live right now. Oh, we live in Deer Run subdivision, or we live you know, up Highway 101, or whatever. Or you might have even said uh, something along the lines of where you grew up but been real specific. Like if you grew up here in Greer, you might have said, oh, I grew up in Burgess Hills, or whatever, the neighborhood that you grew up in. And so when we talk about what is home, there's a lot of different you know, aspects of that. Where, and, and I'm interested in what you said. I don't want you to shout it back to me right now, but I'm, you know, I'm sure some of you probably said hometown. Some of you probably said where you live right now. You, you said that that was home. And so there's this, there's this idea that all of us have as human beings, and there's something that we crave for, and we really crave to have a home. It's one of the things that's kind of naturally ingrained in us is we like to have a place that we can call home that can be a home base where we go back to it, where we're familiar with it. And I was, at last year as I was reading through the Old Testament, I kept noticing as I was reading through that so many of the, the biblical heroes, these guys in the Old Testament who you know about, who you've read about or heard about in Sunday school perhaps growing up, that so many of them didn't have a home like we have a home. We, you know, right now, Sherry and I have lived in the same house for uh, almost 13 years, I guess, or maybe almost 14 years now, almost 13 years. And, and before that, you know, we, we had a house, and we've never not had a home. Sometimes it was an apartment, but it was always, you know, we were never homeless, or we were never, uh, for, we were fortunate, we've never had to live with, or my parents were fortunate, we, they never had to have us live with them, you know, or, or with Sherry's parents. Uh, and so, you know, we, we've always been like that, and so we've always had a place that we could say, okay, this is ours, this is, this is our place. But I noticed as I read through the, the Old Testament especially, so many of those guys, they just, different things happen to them. They might have a home for a while, and then it's taken away. And so for this month, we're going to talk about the concept of home and how it's different uh, in the Bible, and it's different. I think God wants to teach us some things about home that are different than what we normally think of, and, and, uh, and, and so that's why we're calling this home away from home. Today, we're going to talk about one of the Old Testament heroes, a guy named Abraham. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open to Genesis chapter 12. That's the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, and um, we're going to read some scripture there in just a minute, but we're going to talk about Abraham and, and, uh, and what we're talking about today as we look at Abraham's life is that home is where God sends you. 
Home is where God sends you. And we're going to see that in Abraham's life in just a minute. We're going to read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Now, before we start reading, and and I've told you this before, but just to kind of remind you, um, when I start reading, you're going to notice that what's on the screen and what's in your Bible, that the guy's name is not Abraham, it's Abram. That's the same guy. He had been Abram. And then God later changes his name to Abraham. So we know him as Abraham. So today when I read the scripture, I'll read Abram. But the rest of the, the message, I know I'm going to refer to him as Abraham because that's what we're used to calling him, is Abraham. And so if you've got your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to start reading there. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we can learn about home from Abraham's life. Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. As we read through that, as you'll notice that Abram, he didn't stay in one place very long, did he? And what you're going to find if you read through the book of Genesis and you read about Abraham's life is that was really the way his entire life was. He never really had a place where he could call his own. He never really had a place that was home. And one of the things that I think we can learn from Abraham's life, and the the first thing I want us to think about today, is that a relationship with God is required in order to truly be at home. A relationship with God is required in order to truly be at home. Now, when you read through verses 1 through 9, you just get a snapshot of what his entire life is going to be like. Move to this place, move to this place, set up an altar, move to this place, set up another altar, then move again. And just one place after the other, after the other. And, and it's interesting, look back at verse 1 there. It says there, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. So this command comes to Abraham really out of the blue. We don't have any indication that Abraham had been thinking about moving. We don't have any indication that he had talked to his wife about moving. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God says, hey, move. And by the way, I'm not telling you where. Just go where I show you. Just go. And then in verses 2 and 3, he makes him some really cool promises. He says things in there. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Then verse 3 says, those who bless you, uh, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. And then this great promise where he says, and all peoples on earth 
will be blessed through you. So Abraham's minding his own business. He gets this command to leave, to leave everything that he's familiar with. God makes him some kind of vague promises. And then in verse 4, the thing that always amazes me is how verse 4 starts. And it says, so Abram left. He just said, all right, God said to do it, so I'm going. And what, what I think is interesting is that if you look in there, he was asked to leave everything that was familiar to him. He was asked to leave everything that made him feel secure. And notice what Abraham didn't have as he was making this decision. He didn't have a pastor to go to and say, hey, do you really think God is telling me to do this? I need to make an appointment with you, and we've got to talk about this because I, I think God's crazy. Or maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Pastor, you tell me what to do. He didn't have that. He also, he, he didn't have a five-year plan with estimated growth of his cattle and sheep. You know, if I go to this place, I've got this spreadsheet that it shows me we're going to see an increase in the sheep population. I'll be able to double my earnings. I mean, he didn't have any of that kind of stuff, right? He, he didn't have any friends at the new place where he was going to get set up. He didn't have a contact there where, well, when I go, I know this guy, he's going to have a job waiting on me, and I'll be able to live in his basement for a while and all that stuff. He didn't have any of that stuff. He didn't even have a Bible so that he could open it up and pull some verse out of context to make it say what he wanted it to say and then say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? He didn't have any of the things that we have that we use when we're going to make a decision. I mean, if, if, if tonight, men, think about this tonight. You, have, you go to bed and you have a dream and God stands before you in a vision and says, I want you to leave your country, your people, and your father's household and I want you to go to the place I'm going to show you and I'm not going to tell you where. When you wake up the next morning and you tell your wife, what is she going to say to you, right? She's going to want to, you know, she's going to call the doctor and say, you need to get him a, a prescription for Xanax or something because he's, he's losing his mind. Something's up with him, Right. And, and then you're going to start trying to figure, well, I think, I'm sure I saw this. Let me see what the Bible says. Let me go talk to somebody else about it. Let me, Abraham didn't have any of that stuff. And it says that in spite of all that, he answered the call because of the fact that he had a relationship with God. He had a relationship with God that was so personal that he could actually hear the voice of God and then he would actually obey the voice of God. And so the first thing we need to know is a relationship with God is required in order to truly be at home. I love what happens after verse 4. Because after verse 4, so Abraham decides to leave. In verse 4 he says, Abram left. And then verse 5, it talks about the fact that they get to Canaan. And the verse 5 ends with these words. Uh, it says, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And then it ends like this. And they arrive there. So I'm thinking, if I'm Abraham, cool, we made it. This is the place God wants us to go. Time to let's let the sheep out. They'll start grazing. I'll start building a house over here. Honey, you go out and find a job because, you know, we're going to need a little extra money. I mean, you know, whatever it was that he was going to do. But that's not what happened. Look at verse 6. So they arrive in, in Canaan, verse 5. Verse 6, it says, they traveled through the land. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So not only did they, they can't get there and settle down, God says, oh, by the way, okay, you're here, but keep going. Just keep walking. I'm going to tell you when to stop. Keep going. No, don't stop yet. Keep going. You know, and he's just, he's just traveling through Canaan. Really no direction. Really not knowing what's going on next. And then you get to verse 7. And it says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he's in this land. He's already here. And God says, I'm going to give this land, but not to you. I'm going to give it to your kids and grandkids, which, by the way, at this time, Abraham didn't have any yet, and he was already 75, 
And he says, I'm going to give this to your kids. And so what does it say Abraham does there in verse 7? It says, so he built an altar there to the Lord. And so then verse 8, so he's still not staying. Verse 8, he's on the road again. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. So he's settling down a little bit. I'm pitching a tent. We might stay here. And then it, he builds another altar to the Lord in verse 8. So you're thinking maybe he's, maybe he's settling down. But then verse 9, what does verse 9 say? starts off, then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. That makes me tired just reading it. Because he's got all these people with him. He's got slaves and he's got sheep. He's got family members. And they're all following him. It's not like me getting my wife and my two girls and us continuing to travel. This was a major production every time he moved and he took another step. And so it makes me tired just reading that. But that was the life that God had called him to. He was supposed to move and move and move. And you've got to think that through all that, somehow Abraham started to feel a little disconnected. I'm sure that he started to feel like, you know, I don't really know who I am or where I'm going. This is crazy. Because one of the things that helps us stay connected and feel like we've got a little balance in life is we've got some place we can come back to. And that everything else is crazy. We can go home. You know, for me, if everything's crazy, I can go home, I can sit in my chair, and I can turn on the Atlanta Braves, and, you know, the world is okay for a little while because everything's all right, you know. Got my girls at home, and Sherry's there, and, and I feel good. But Abraham didn't have any of that. He had to begin to feel a little bit disconnected as he was called to move from place to place. Now let me ask you this. If you moved somewhere and you didn't have anything and you were going to build something, what would be the first thing you would build? You'd probably build a house or something, wouldn't you? A shelter? Maybe some of you are thinking, Cliff, first thing I'd build would be a bathroom, right? But, but you, you know, you'd build some kind of it, it, you'd, if you, and some of you, you could really build a house. Some of you know how to do that. Others of you would be like me. It would be like a lean-to up against an oak tree, you know, with, with pine straw or something. But you'd build something to be a house for you. You'd build something to be a shelter. Abraham built, when he showed up, what did he build? It says in verse 7 and 8, in both places, what did he build? An altar. He didn't build a house. He built an altar. Now, why did he build an altar? Because that was what they used to worship God. Once again, what was pushing Abraham was his relationship with God. And no matter the place he went, no matter if God sent him here for a week and then somewhere else for two weeks and then somewhere else for another week, no matter if he was moving around, the thing that was consistent was that he was building altars and he was worshiping God. And you can read it throughout the story of Abraham's life, not just in these nine verses. If you read in, in Genesis chapter 12 and beyond, you'll see over and over again, Abraham's moving from place to place. And every place he moves, he builds an altar and he worships God wherever he goes. See, although the location of his dwelling was always changing, his commitment to his relationship with God was constant. Where he was was changing. His location was changing. But his commitment to his relationship with God was constant over and over again. New town, new altar, he worshiped the same God in the same way. New town, new altar, he worshiped the same God in the same way again. Over and over, he did it. There was this steadiness to the relationship with God that Abraham had. Now, let me ask you this. How many times have you heard a story kind of like this one, where 
someone says to you, yeah, you know, there was a time in my life, man, I was really, I was really close to God, and we were active in this church, and we were going, and all this kind of stuff happened, and, and then, um, you know, the, our kids graduated from high school, and we just kind of drifted away, and, you know, we hadn't really been anywhere. I hadn't really read my Bible. I hadn't done anything and, in, I don't know, two or three years. Or story like, well, we were going to this place, and it was awesome. We loved it, and then they changed pastors, and that new guy, I just, I just couldn't understand him as good. So, so uh, well, did you change churches? No, we just didn't go anywhere anymore, and, and I really haven't read my Bible. I haven't really grown. I haven't really felt close to God in forever. Or maybe, you know, I, I was growing, me and my wife, we were growing, and, and then she had the affair, and after the divorce, I was mad at God, and I just, I haven't had it, wanted anything to do with spiritual things since that happened. How many times have you heard a story like that? Insert whatever situation you want to. I can't tell you the number of times that I've known people. I've sat next to them in worship. I've served with them on different kinds of ministry teams and everything's going and then all of a sudden something like flipping a switch and they drop out of sight and and they they start to live a different lifestyle and it makes me wonder what happened in there? What, What happened to that relationship with God? There's no steadiness in that relationship with God. But in Abraham's life, what you see is God's, he's uprooting every, every other day. And it didn't matter the situation. It didn't matter if bad things happened to him or if he caused bad things to happen to himself. Whatever it was, his relationship with God was the steady line that runs throughout his life. It was the string that runs throughout his life no matter what the situation was. And we need to have that type of relationship with God. Where if the divorce happens... It's terrible and it's tragic and it's going to take us a while to get through it, but our relationship with God is still there. Where if the kids leave home, the relationship with God is still there. If you lose a loved one, the relationship with God is still there. If, if you, you get fired or downsized at work, the relationship with God is still there. There needs to be that steadiness that we can see in the life of Abraham. You see, his relationship with God is what gave him stability even though his life really had no stability in any other area. How, how stable would you feel if you were moving every three or four weeks? You'd feel completely unstable. But for Abraham, it didn't matter because home was where God sent him. Home was not a location. And so home was here this week because God was here. Home was also here over here next week because God was there as well. Because God was in all of those places. His relationship with God gave him stability and it gave him a home. Now the second thing that I think is important about this, this message that we can get from Abraham's life for us is that we are part of a bigger plan. We are part of a bigger plan. When I was a kid, um, I, had a, I had a gerbil. Now not a hamster, but a gerbil. It looks like a rat. That's the difference. A hamster doesn't have a tail. A gerbil has a tail, so it looks like a rat. And um, I don't know why I wanted a gerbil, but I did. And uh, much to my mother's dismay, I wanted a gerbil. And so we had an aquarium that it was in, and we had one of those wheels on it for it to run. You know, you've seen that thing, and it's just running on that wheel like crazy. And I think sometimes we feel like that we're on that kind of wheel in our life, don't you? 
It's the same thing. You're not never really getting anywhere, but you're doing the same thing day after day. You get Monday morning comes, the alarm goes off at 5 or 6 or whatever time you have to get up. And you get up, you do the same thing Monday through Friday. You come home every evening to the same house, to the same family. You watch the same junk on TV. You eat the same meals you know, over and over again. You go to the same places. Weekend comes, you got to work in the yard so it'll look nice on Saturday. You do that all day. You're too wore out to do anything Saturday night. You get up, you come to church for a couple hours on Sunday, you go home, you watch some football, and then you start it all over again. And week after week after week, it's the same thing, and you feel like you're on that wheel. Well, one of the things that that happened with my gerbil is that one day I think he got tired of running on that wheel, and one morning I woke up, and what we had over the top of that aquarium to hold him in there was a thing that my dad had made out of screen, like, you know, like screen you have on a window. We had it over the top. Well, there was a hole in that screen and the gerbil was gone and uh, it was running around the house somewhere and there's a funny story that I'll tell you one day later where my parents called the police because they kept hearing something bumping around the house and my daddy was looking for it and he couldn't find it so he called the cops it was that gerbil was like behind their dresser bumping up against the wall and stuff they didn't know that but um, but what that gerbil did is and I don't know if he did it on purpose because I don't know how smart gerbils really are but he piled up a bunch of the, the you know, stuff that's in the bottom of the gerbil cage up under that wheel so it didn't turn anymore, and he climbed up around it like a ladder, and on top of it, he chewed the top out, and he made his escape. He was tired of being on that wheel going in the same place. He wanted to really go somewhere and do something, right? Well, sometimes what happens in our lives is, and you've known people that have done it, and maybe you've done it, is you get on that same thing over and over again, and you start to feel trapped, and that's when people do crazy stuff. When they, when they get in that wheel and they're doing the same thing over and over again, that's when they do something like have an affair. Because all of a sudden that's something new and exciting and that's different. That's away from the norm. Or, or they, do, they do even crazier stuff than that. They try to numb the pain and they, they drink it all the time. They drink all the time or they do some kind of other substances and they do this kind of stuff because that, oh, that's an escape. Or, or maybe they start looking at stuff on the internet that they don't have any business looking at because for a little while that takes them off to another place and another area and, and it's like they're not even living that life we're on that wheel anymore. And so they try to make an escape by doing all this crazy stuff. Well, one of the things if we would begin to realize and look at the life of Abraham we can see is that even though sometimes we feel like we're just on this, this wheel, and we're just running, and, and, and nothing's, nothing's happening the way we want it to, that, that we're part of something bigger, and, that we're part of a bigger plan, that, that you play a vitally important role in God's big story. You really do. You play a vitally important role in God's big story. And in verses 2 and 3, look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12. These are the, these are the promises that God made Abraham about what his role is was in God's big story. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, before the beginning of the earth, God had started writing his story of what was going to happen and he wrote Abraham into the story. And what Abraham was going to do is through his kids and grandkids and on down the line, the entire earth was going to be blessed through his people. 
And that's the promise God's making him. So God's telling Abraham, listen, I know right now it seems like you're just doing the same thing over and over again. You're moving from place to place to place. You can't get settled in. You can't really make an impact anywhere because you're just going from here to there. But what I want you to know is I'm making you a promise that you play a vitally important role in my big story of what I'm doing. That's what God was telling Abraham. And he's telling us the same thing. That even though you feel like you're just kind of spinning your wheels and you're in the same place, that you play a vitally important role in God's big story. And before the creation of the world, when God wrote his story, not only did he write Abraham into it, but he wrote each one of you into it as well. And you're thinking, Cliff, that doesn't make sense because I'm really insignificant. You know, I, I just work at this place and I got my little family. How, how am I playing a role in what God's got going on? How am I playing a role in the big story of what God is doing. Because to you, you seem insignificant because how do we judge success? We judge success through uh, money, power, and fame. That's generally how we judge success. We see people on television and we say, those are the successful ones. Bill Gates, that's the successful one. That dude's got more money than he's ever going to even know he's got. He's powerful as anything. And he's famous. Everybody knows him. That's, that's a significant guy. Yeah, he's significant, but he's no more significant than you are. Because where you are, God has written you into his story for this specific time and this specific place. Now, don't miss this. Because I know you can listen to this and you can say, man, Cliff was off his rocker today. But have you ever considered the fact that maybe you go to the school you go to because that's where God wants you to be at this time so that you can have an impact on a certain individual or certain group of individuals? Or maybe that you work at the place you work right now because God's written it into his story for you to be in that place and you've got a vitally important role to play in the lives of people right there where you are every day on that job site or in that factory or in that office building, wherever it is that you are. Or maybe on the practice field, if you play on a team, maybe it's the practice field that, that, that you're going to be starting up practice here in the next couple of weeks for whatever sports you're playing in school this year, that maybe God has a vitally important role for you to play right there where you are. Do you think that really this whole life just kind of happens by chance and we're floating along like a feather like in Forrest Gump and we're just going to land here and land there? Think that God really doesn't have any say-so or he's not pushing us in any certain direction? No, God has places he wants you to be and people he wants you to influence and things he wants you to accomplish. And he's pushing you towards those things. And you play a vitally important role in the story. And Abraham was learning that. Now, here's what I think is awesome about the story of Abraham and what we need to remember. Those promises that God made Abraham in verse 2 and 3, if you read through Genesis you will see that he makes those same promises to Abraham again and again and again. Just, just, just about every other chapter is saying, by the way, I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. The whole world's going to be blessed through you. And he keeps telling them that over and over again. But you know something? Abraham never saw it come to pass. He never saw it fulfilled. Because it was fulfilled about 2,000 years later when Jesus was born. But you know who Jesus was? He was a direct descendant of Abraham. Because Abraham and Sarah ended up having a son named Isaac 
And, and Isaac then had a son named Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons who then became the 12 tribes of Israel. And out of one of those tribes came a guy named David. And then after David followed some other people and it got all the way down to where Jesus was born to a man named Joseph and to a woman named Mary who was a virgin who had been conceived through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, the, uh, who was God in the flesh, came to earth and he was a direct descendant of the human line of Abraham. And the whole earth was blessed through Jesus when he died on the cross. But Abraham never saw it happen. Abraham was long gone off the face of the earth when Jesus showed up and died on the cross. But Abraham, even though he didn't see it happen with his own eyes, he remained faithful to God. It would have been so easy at some point for Abraham to say, God, you keep telling me the whole earth is going to be blessed for me, but I haven't seen it, so I'm not going where you want me to go next. I'm building a house and I'm staying right here. He could have done that. But he remained faithful. And I'm telling you today that God wants to use you in a vitally important way right where he's placed you now. And you might not ever see the result of that. You might make an impact on someone's life and they will pass out of your life and you'll never see it. And then one day when you die and you're in heaven, then you'll finally get to see, oh, that's the impact I had when I was the manager of that store or when I was working on that work crew or when I was in high school or I was in middle school. That's what happened. That's why it was important for me to remain faithful to God while I was there. But you might not ever see it while you're on the face of this earth. But we have to remain faithful the way Abraham did. And that will be our home. Our home will not be an address. Our home will not be a town. Our home will be wherever God sends us because we've remained faithful to him in that location at that specific time. See, Abraham never saw his promises fulfilled. But when he died in his tent many years later, because he never got to build a house, and when he died in his tent all those years later, he was right at home. Not because he had a house, but because he was faithful to what God wanted him to do. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come up. And um, as they're coming up, I want to, I want to ask you a, a serious question. So I'm going to let the band kind of start making their way up here because I know you all watch them because they're so good looking. Especially Ben. And um, by the way, Ben, that beard's kind of scaring me a little bit. I think I need to cut it. So now they're in place. Listen to this. I, I just I want to ask you a serious question. Because I want I want you to consider this when you even if you're the person that, that you've been in church your your whole life and, and that's who you are. I want to tell you this that if, if you don't have a relationship with God, you'll never be at home. I don't care how long you settle in one place, I don't care how many houses you can own and build or whatever. If you don't have a relationship with God, you will never truly be at home. And, and let me tell you this. If you're sitting there today and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I have a relationship with God or not. If you don't know it, then you don't. And that might be a bold thing to say. But if you really have a relationship with God, you know you have a relationship with God. It's growing. He tells you things to do and you obey Him. He changes who you are day after day. And if you're sitting there today and you say, you know what, Cliff, I don't know if I do or not. I, I haven't heard God's voice ever. 
I'm, I'm exactly the same person I was 20 years ago when I got baptized. Then you didn't get baptized and changed by Jesus. You just got wet. You don't have a relationship with God if you don't know that you do. Because it consumes you if you do. If you have a relationship with God, it changes everything about you. Now, it doesn't make you perfect because we're here on the earth and we still have that that sin nature that lives in us, but it begins to change you and it begins to change your way of thinking. And you should be different today than you were five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. You should be different if you have a relationship with God. And so what I want you to think about today is, is do you truly have a relationship with God or not? Because home is where God sends you, but only if you've got that relationship with him. And you can only have that relationship with him through Jesus. And let me just add this too. Believing in God's not enough. Scripture says in the book of James, you believe there's one God? All right, that's cool. Even the demons believe that. So Satan believes in God, and he certainly doesn't have a relationship with him. So if you just say, well, yeah, I believe in God, that's not, that's not getting it. What I'm talking about is where you acknowledge the fact that God's the only one who can save you. It's by his choice if he wants to save you or not, and you are going to give your life to him and ask him to do that. And only that only comes through what Jesus did on the cross. So this is what I want us to do. I want you to bow your heads. And I'm going to say a prayer. And if, if you're here today and you'd say, I don't know. I don't know if i got a relationship with God or not. But you want to. You want your life to be different. Pray this prayer after me. There's no magic in these words. You've got to mean them in your heart. You can say different words, but it's got to have the same meaning behind them. Pray this prayer after me. Father God, I need you. I want to have a relationship with you that's real and personal. I believe your son Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again from the grave. And I admit that the only way I can be forgiven is through the blood that he shed on the cross. I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven. Please forgive me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer today and it was real, I want to know that. Donnie wants to know that. Don't go home and say you're going to email me later this week. You come down here after it's over. I'll be around the front. You grab me. You grab Donnie. You grab any of these guys on the stage up here. You grab any of our greeters that have a name tag. You tell them, say, I prayed that prayer. I don't really know what it all means, but I prayed the prayer to begin a relationship with God today. If I'm talking to somebody, interrupt me. Okay? That's how important it is. And don't let the moment pass where you're going to wait till later to do something about the prayer you just prayed. Now, if you're already a follower of Christ, you already have a relationship with God, but you look back on your relationship and it's been like this. It's been up and down. It's been up and down. I want you to, every day this week, I want you to pray and ask God and say, God, help me to be consistent in my relationship with you. 
Help me to consistently read the Scripture and to pray and to follow the path you would have for me. And if that's what your desire is, God will help you grow into that consistency so that when the next time something bad happens, because you know as well as I do, life springs some pretty sorry junk in our way. The next time that happens, you won't drop off the face of the earth with your relationship with God. In fact, you'll grow through that. And you ask anyone that's followed Jesus for a long time, they'll tell you, they'll say, yeah, it was during the real difficult times, that's when I really grew. And that's what we want to strive for, all right?